Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Good morning. For those who may not know, I am Annie Westbrook. I am the youth pastor here at JCBC. Thank you so much for being here today. Still a holiday weekend. We appreciate your presence, and we think that God has every single person here uh, who is watching, who is listening in the sanctuary or uh, in the Family Life Center or online. We believe that God has a purpose and a reason for everything. You are not here by accident, and we appreciate you being here, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. So today, our scripture passage is going to be from the Gospel of Matthew. If you have your Bibles and would like to read along with me, we will begin in Matthew chapter 2. Before we get started, let's pray together. Gracious God, God of light and life, be with us in these next moments as we meditate on your word and seek your presence amid the pages and among one another. Open our hearts and minds and souls to know you deeper and see you clearer. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1, the scripture reads, In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. And then we're going to skip down to verse 9. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the gift of Holy Scripture. Thanks be to God. So to start off, I want to talk about Matthew 2 compared to Luke 2. Luke 2 is the traditional story that we read leading up to Christmas, and we also read it on Christmas Eve. Matthew is different from Luke in a number of ways. In chapter 1, Matthew focuses on the genealogy of Jesus, on where Jesus came from. This question of where is a theme that is found throughout Matthew's gospel and could be a sermon in and of itself. For Matthew, it is important that readers and hearers of his words know where Jesus came from in order to understand who Jesus is and to understand his mission on earth. Much of the story surrounding Jesus' births 
found in Luke is not found in the Gospel of Matthew at all. For example, the angel coming to Mary, Mary's cousin Elizabeth becoming pregnant as well, the journey to Bethlehem, the angels, even the shepherds, and the stable. None of that is in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew goes almost straight from Mary getting pregnant to Jesus being born with just a short interjection about the angel reassuring Joseph that the child was from God. After Jesus is born in Matthew, we meet some visitors who aren't in the story as told by Luke. We call them the wise men. Their contemporaries would have called them magi or astrologers. While the stories found in Matthew and Luke are told with different details, we often combine them into one. Sometimes we forget that the wise men weren't in Luke, or maybe some of us just realized this today. Our, nativ our nativity sets come with all the pieces together, and as we unpack and decorate for Christmas, each character finds itself arriving at the creche on our side tables and our mantles all at the same time. After all, the scene does look very nice to us, all complete and put together like this. And there's really nothing wrong with that. But for our purposes today, I want us to think about these events a little bit deeper, to think about it all in a longer timeline. Let's, let's talk about Luke and put Matthew in there too and allow the Christ child worshipers some time to journey to the manger. Maybe some of us, after a hectic Christmas season, need a little extra time to get there, too. In the Gospel of Luke, we see the buildup. We find the young Mary, alone and unwed, yet pregnant with a baby that she did not expect or ask for. She is visited by an angel and is told that she is part of a bigger plan to redeem the world. Would she accept the position of mother of Christ in God's story? Yes, she would. We then find Joseph, a little older than Mary, ready to settle down and start a family of his own. He's made a fair agreement with Mary's family to take her as his wife. They are making wedding preparations, and he is ensuring that his home will have room for a wife and hopefully, one day, children. But as he prepares, he hears rumors of a pregnant Mary who has gone to visit her cousin and wonders what he will do with an unfaithful bride-to-be upon her return. This is when an angel appears to him in a dream, assuring him that he, too, is part of a greater plan. Mary has agreed to suffer through the scrutiny and judgment for the sake of the world's only hope. Would he? We know that he does. The young couple is then forced to travel. Mary, at the point of her pregnancy where, it's, where even lying in bed feels uncomfortable, and yet she finds herself riding on a donkey towards Bethlehem. And when they arrive, there are no rooms left. Everything is full. So they agree to sleep with the animals. A bed of hay with a roof overhead is better than the streets after all. And of course, of course, this is when the baby decides to come. After hours of labor and pain and sweat and tears, Jesus is born. 
With little time to rest or catch her breath, Mary sees strangers running towards their makeshift room. Who are these people, she whispers to Joseph, who then runs out to greet them. He returns, telling her, they are shepherds. They've seen an incredible sign. Angels, a whole choir of them, singing about this boy, our son. Can we let them in? Mary knows that this is a sign that what the angel told her was true, and she agrees. The shepherds bow down and worship him, her son, this baby. This tiny person who is already weaving a story larger than life all around them. Eventually, the shepherds leave. The baby needs to eat. Mary needs to rest. And then it's quiet. The holy family is together, looking into each other's eyes, preparing for the tasks of being a human family. Mary is learning how to change diapers and feed the child and be a good wife. Joseph is wondering if his work will be enough to support his wife and new baby. They pray that they can be good enough parents for the Savior of the world. When it's time, they find a home. Each day, they become further and further removed from the glory of their son's birth. The less sleep they get at night caring for their child, the more the shepherds visit and the stories of the angels seem like a dream. Quickly, Joseph gets back to work and Mary has household and community duties to attend to herself. Just when Mary and Joseph thought that they were lost to the daily routines of family life, when they start to question if their encounters with angels had just been pre-wedding stress, or wonder if the shepherds had, who had visited them were just eccentric men who had been in the fields and away from people for too long, just when they were about to let their human doubt, insecurities, rationalization take over, more visitors come. Strangers, who were very strange indeed, Men from the east with a caravan of servants and guards, cattle and enough dry goods and veggies to fill a pantry come to see their son. Again, Joseph comes to Mary. They are magi, he tells her. They've seen an incredible sign, a star telling them of a miraculous birth. They want to pay tribute to Jesus. Can we accommodate them? Being the good Jewish woman that she was, Mary says, of course, and does her best to show hospitality to them. The Magi come in the house, kneel down, and pay homage to the child Jesus. Then they bring out gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, what strange gifts for a baby. But these gifts weren't meant for just any baby. These gifts were meant for a king, the king of the Jews, the Messiah. You see, these magi, what we call wise men, were magicians in their day. Now, they're not, that's not magicians in our modern understanding of the word. 
Magicians at that time were people who studied astrology, alchemy, and other philosophies that attempted to connect the human experience to that of the larger universe, the stars, and the work of the divine. These magi would be expected to observe and understand strange phenomena or signs in the heavens. Matthew's original readers, and probably Mary and Joseph themselves, would have viewed the Magi with some suspicion. Yet they also understood that the Magi were more, would have known more than just ordinary people. The Magi came to show respect to a great king, and they recognize in the Christ child the presence of God the meeting of the divine with the flesh, the heavens with the earth. This meeting, this communion, is what they had been seeking, studying, and waiting for all along. The Magi, these astrologers from the East, had eyes to see the signs from God. They were searching for the divine presence, and they found it. Religious leaders missed it. Political leaders weren't looking for it. But these people from a different land and a different background found exactly what they were looking for in Jesus. Here, the Magi recognized Jesus, the Son of God, as King, the King of Kings. This visit from the Magi is a sign that Jesus is a ruler of a new kingdom which extends far beyond the borders of Israel. Right here in the very beginning of Matthew, we see the gospel in relationship to the Gentiles. We see a group of people outside of the Jewish faith encounter the presence of God. This is Epiphany. Epiphany is a Christian holiday that celebrates and honors the coming of Christ, God with us, to the Gentiles, to those who aren't Jewish. Traditionally, it is celebrated on the day after the 12th day of Christmas, which would be January 6th. We celebrate Epiphany to recognize the miracle of the Magi finding Christ. The Magi are the first of many non-Jewish people in the Gospel of Matthew who are seeking the light of the world and find it in Jesus. These Magi represent people who come to Jerusalem following the light they have seen, even though they do not have the special revelation of the Torah. The light of Jesus is all they need. The light of Jesus is all that we need. This revelation of the Messiah, the Savior, being for Gentiles as well as Jews is why we are all here today. The journey of the Magi represents all of us who are seeking the presence of Christ in our ordinary human lives. Epiphany is the celebration that anyone who is looking for the light of Christ the miracle of heaven in today's world can find it. This meeting of heaven and earth can often and so easily go unnoticed. The presence of God in our everyday life so often goes unseen. 
Take Mary and Joseph, for example. The Magi come, and then they leave. And Mary and Joseph are left with a child to raise. And then life happens. Jesus was God made flesh, the spirit of God in human form. And that's just it, isn't it? Flesh, human form. While the divinity of Jesus is a miracle, the humanity of Jesus is just as much a miracle. In order for God to suffer with us, for Christ to die as human, the Spirit of God had to live as human. He was a human baby who cried when he was hungry, who had separation anxiety when he was left in the temple nursery, who had to grow and learn how to live as a human in this world alongside his human parents and siblings, faith community, leaders, and friends. This family, just like all of us human families, lived and worked, loved and dreamed, suffered and struggled, fought and disappointed, forgave and moved forward. And right there with them the whole time was Jesus, the presence of God in their daily lives. Can you imagine what that must have been like for Mary and Joseph? Jesus was the light in their every day. The word made flesh. The traditions that they learned and rituals they practiced their whole lives had come to life in their son. It was integrated into every moment of their days, making the unholy holy. Jesus made cooking and dishes, woodworking, fishing, the daily tasks of survival and humanity into something sacred. And we can assume that Mary and Joseph saw glimpses of the divine in their child. The angels wouldn't sing about just anyone, and the shepherds wouldn't leave their flock for just a normal birth. And Magi wouldn't travel if the stars hadn't told them that something important was happening. As Jesus grew, they saw proof that he was more than just a child. He surprised them with his knowledge of scriptures. He could make ordinary objects into something special. He was kinder than most and more accepting than anyone. He could heal, and his words were like a balm for those who suffered. Even so. Jesus constantly had to remind Mary and Joseph of who he was. His light, while bright, was not always acknowledged for what it was. The Word made flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. The presence of God was right there with them every moment of every day. But how much do you think they recognized it? We know that they left him at the temple when he was 12, thinking that he was with the other travelers. And um, side note, do you think that this is where they got the plot for the movie Home Alone? I think I could make a pretty good case for it. But we're not talking about Kevin McAllister right now, are we? We'll get back to Jesus. When Mary and Joseph realize that Jesus is gone, they go back and they find him in the temple. When he explains that he is in his father's house, they don't understand. Jesus goes home with them anyway. Right there, Jesus, the Christ, 
was there in all of his wisdom, and they missed it. They were two people too caught up in their worries about travel and getting home to see it, to understand who Jesus was. Now, it could be easy for us to cast judgment on Mary and Joseph, to wonder how they could miss all of these signs, even after the angels and the shepherds and the magi. But the truth is, we're really not much different. How often do we go through our daily lives and miss the light of Christ that's shining through, even on these rainy days? Even with all of the celebration and reminders around Christmas, how many of us were so caught up in the present buying and wrapping, the cooking and traveling, the decorating and undecorating, that we came out on the other side exhausted and empty instead of joyful and whole? How many of us have come through Christmas disappointed because the holiday didn't turn out the way that we wanted? How many of us are entering 2020 more worried about resolutions and goals than about accepting the grace of our Savior? How many of us are so concerned with losing weight and going to the gym that we forget that God loves us just as we are? How many of us are so caught up in making more money and meeting professional goals that we're missing the fact that God has already provided all that we need and more. How many of us are going into this new year holding on to old hurts, past traumas, last year's pain and resentment instead of surrendering it all to the one who heals us? Are we going into this new year looking for light following the signs of Christ and acknowledging the presence of God in our lives? Or are we too caught up in ourselves to see that Christ is all around us in the beauty and the pain? Christ is all around us in every minute of every day, going home with us anyway, even on the days that we don't understand. Jesus is here waiting to turn our ordinary into sacred, our everyday into something miraculous. In her book, The Greatest Gift, Anne Voskamp, a Christian author and blogger, reminds us to come to him just as you are. Give up trying to be self-made. This is your gift to him and his gift to you. Simply come. The miracle of Christmas is that you get more than proof of God's existence. You get the experience of God's presence. You always get your Christmas miracle. You get God with you. This is Epiphany. Epiphany is the reminder that even in our unholy moments, in our stress and our worry, our pain and disappointment, the Holy One meets us here. The presence of God breaks through into our human experience when we least expect it. Even when we feel that we are unworthy, 
when we don't think that we fit in to the religious mold that's been forced upon us, when we are lost in the hustle of our everyday lives, the everyday light of Christ pierces through the darkness and reveals the grace of our Creator. All we need to do is look around to see it. Now, the Magi were lucky, weren't they? They had a star to follow. They knew exactly where Christ was going to be at the end of their journey. Mary and Joseph, well, they were even luckier. They had Jesus right there in front of them every day. We may feel like we need to look a little harder than the people in our Bible stories to find this light, and maybe on some days we do. But it's important to remember that God doesn't always show up in big sweeping miracles and stars in the sky and angels singing and strangers visiting. Most of the time, the miracles we find are small, so small that we almost miss them. Often the light that we see is more of a flicker. And while we might not have the Magi star to guide us, we can find or even create little reminders of that light in our everyday. While we would all like to be mindful enough to see that light in every moment, sometimes we have to create these reminders for ourselves. When my brothers and I were growing up, my mom would find creative ways to integrate scripture or words of encouragement into our everyday lives as a family. One thing that she did that we always remember is that she had a small whiteboard. Well, actually, it was more like a little plate that you could ride on um, with a stand, kind of like this one. Uh, she would write scripture, mess scripture on it or little encouraging messages or happy birthday on our birthday, stuff like that. And eventually, as we got older, we would take turns writing scripture and messages on it, trying to figure out which one could find the best passage to write. At my parents' house now, they have a giant chalkboard that's built into the wall that was there when they moved in, and the tradition continues. They change it for different seasons or when something uh, from scripture catches their attention. My brother Davis uses it to practice his Hebrew, and most importantly, it serves as a reminder that in our daily lives of working and playing, eating and cooking, resting and learning, God is there. This chalkboard reminds me of the Epiphany tradition of chalking the door. On the day of Epiphany, January 6th, many Christians around the world will write on their doors in chalk. The pattern that you see in the picture contains the numbers of the calendar year, the crosses represent Christ, and the letters C, M, and B are the initials for the traditional names of the Magi, but they are also an abbreviation of the Latin blessing Christus Mansionem Benedicat. I think I said that right. Which means, may Christ bless this house. Chalking the door is a reminder of God's blessings through the wise men, their action of finding the presence of God and giving gifts. It serves as an invitation to remember Christ, the presence of God, and to be the presence of God in the world around us. Now, maybe you don't want to chalk your door 
or install a giant chalkboard on your house, and it's okay, you don't have to. But I do want to challenge you as we move into this new year and out of the Christmas season to create some reminders of God's everyday light in your everyday life. Maybe it's lighting a candle as you say a prayer to start your day. Maybe it's actually listening to that little reminder on your smartwatch to breathe and thank God for the gift of Christ's breath in your lungs. You could even stick a post-it note with Bible verses on your bathroom mirror or your work computer as a reminder of God's presence throughout your day. Whatever ways you create to find Christ's light, I hope that as we enter into Epiphany and find new routines in this new year, that we will all take time to slow down, to find the little miracles that God has sprinkled all around us. The miracle of everyday light is that it shows up in small ways throughout our everyday lives. There's a miracle in the birds singing as the sun rises on your morning run. There's a miracle in your child's laughter overheard from another room while you clean the kitchen. There's a miracle in the, the sparkle of your partner's eyes as they tell a joke. <clears throat> There's a miracle in the produce that you pick up from the grocery store, sustenance from the earth created for you. There's a miracle in a call or text from a friend that comes at just the right moment. There are miracles all around us, flickers of everyday light trying to catch our eyes. And even though we can't have a star guiding us on our way like the Magi, we can follow their example to take action, to look for God's light, to follow the light, and to acknowledge the presence of God right here, right now. Everyday light is shining into your everyday life. Can you see it? Let's pray. God, thank you for your light. Thank you for your life that came to show us the light of your love, hope, peace, joy, and so much more. God, I pray that you give us the eyes to see your light all around us. Amen. Before we go into the benediction, I want to remind you that here in the sanctuary and in the Family Life Center, there will be pastors waiting after the service. If you feel a pull to accept Christ's presence in your life, maybe for the first time, or if you're ready to unite your life with the life of our church, or maybe you need a prayer for a big or small miracle in your life, we are here for you. If you are joining us online, you can email us at connect at jcbc.org and we will be in touch with you to meet you where you are. Now, let's stand together. And as we leave this place, scattering to be the presence of God in our world, I hope that you take this blessing from Psalm 67 with you. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your way may be known upon the earth.
your saving power among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. May God continue to bless us and let all the ends of the earth revere him.